welcome to episode 46 of Macabre for Mortals. This is part two of the series on cannabis and marijuana. Part one is mainly about the history, uses and actions of cannabis. And this episode will be the case for and against the use of cannabis. I need to make you aware that I do not advise or advise you on the uses of cannabis. And those decisions need to be made by yourself, your medical practitioner, and or the legality in your state or country. I'm also going to try not to push my opinion. I'm just going to try and keep this as fact-based as possible. As I will do with all the drugs in this series. Let's dive in to part two. Since the beginning of the 20th century, most countries have enacted laws against the cultivation, possession or transfer of cannabis. These laws have had an adverse effect on cannabis cultivation for non-recreational purposes. But there are many reasons where handling of cannabis is legal or licensed. And many jurisdictions have lessened the penalties for possession of small quantities of cannabis so that it is punished by confiscation and sometimes a fine rather than imprisonment. Focusing on more on those who traffic the drug on the black market. In some areas where cannabis use has been historically tolerated, new restrictions were instituted, such as the closing of cannabis coffee shops near the borders of the Netherlands and closing of coffee shops near secondary schools in the Netherlands. In Copenhagen, Denmark in 2014, Mayor Frank Jensen discussed possibilities for the city to legalise cannabis production and commerce. Some jurisdictions use free voluntary treatment programmes and or mandatory treatment programmes for frequent known users. Simple possession can carry long-term prison sentences in some countries, particularly in East Asia, where the sale of cannabis may lead to a sentence of life imprisonment or even execution. Political parties, non-profit organisations and causes based on the legalisation of medical cannabis or legalising the plant entirely with some restrictions have emerged in such countries as China and Thailand. In December 2012, the US state of Washington became the first state to officially legalise cannabis in a state law, Washington Initiative 502, but still illegal by federal law. With the state of Colorado following close behind the Colorado Amendment 64. On the 1st of January 2013, the first marijuana club for private marijuana smoking no buying or selling, however, was allowed for the first time in Colorado. The California Supreme Court decided in May 2013 that local governments can ban medical marijuana dispensaries despite the state law in California that permits the use of cannabis 
for medicinal purposes. At least 180 cities across California have enacted bans in recent years. In December 2013, Uruguay became the first country to legalise growing, sale and use of cannabis. After a long delay in implementing the retail component of the law, in 2017, 16 pharmacies were authorised to sell cannabis commercially. On the 19th of June 2018, the Canadian Senate passed a bill and the Prime Minister announced the effective legalisation date as the 17th of October 2018. Canada was the second country to legalise the drug. In November 2015, Yucatan became the first state of India to legalise the cultivation of hemp for industrial purposes. Usage within the Hindu and Buddhist cultures of the Indian subcontinent is common, with many street vendors in India openly selling products infused with cannabis. And traditional medical practitioners in Sri Lanka selling products infused with cannabis for recreational purposes as well as for religious celebrations. Indian laws criminalising cannabis date back to the colonial period. And India and Sri Lanka have allowed cannabis to be taken in the context of traditional culture for recreational or celebratory purposes and also for medicinal purposes. On the 17th of October 2015, Australian Health Minister Susan Lay presented a new law that will allow the cultivation of cannabis for scientific research and medical trials on patients. As I said, on the 17th of October 2018, Canada officially legalised cannabis for recreational adult use. It was the first G7 nation to make this step. The Canadian Licensed Producer System aims to become the gold standard in the world for safe and secure cannabis production, including provisions for a robust craft cannabis industry, where many expect opportunities for experimenting with different strains. Laws around the use vary from province to province, including age limits, retail structure and growing at home. As the drug has increasingly been seen as a health issue instead of criminal behaviour, marijuana has also been legalised or decriminalised in the Czech Republic, Colombia, Ecuador, Portugal, South Africa and Canada. Medical marijuana was legalised in Mexico in mid-2017 and legislators plan to legalise its recreational use by late 2019. It's Still waiting, but it is there. On June 28, 2021, Clarence Thomas, one of the US Supreme Court's most conservative justices, possibly opened the door to federal legalization of cannabis in the United States when he wrote, a prohibition on interstate use or cultivation of marijuana may no longer be necessary or proper to support the federal government's peaceable approach. The Gateway Hypothesis states that cannabis use increases the probability of trying harder drugs. 
The hypothesis has been hotly debated, as it is regarded by some as the primary rationale for the United States prohibition on cannabis use. A Pew Research Center poll found that political opposition to marijuana use was significantly associated with the concerns about health effects and whether legalization would increase marijuana use by children. Some studies state that while there is no proof for the gateway hypothesis, young cannabis users should still be considered as a risk group for intervention programs. Other findings indicate that hard drug users are likely to be polydrug users and that interventions must address this use of multiple drugs instead of use of a single hard drug. However, almost two-thirds of the polydrug users in the 2009-2010 Scottish Crime and Justice Survey used cannabis. The gateway effect may appear due to social factors involved in using any illegal drug. Because of the illegal status of cannabis, its consumers are likely to find themselves in situations allowing them to equate with individuals using or selling other illegal drugs. Studies have shown that alcohol and tobacco may additionally be regarded as a gateway drug. However, a more parsimonious explanation could be that cannabis is simply more readily available and at an earlier age than illegal hard drugs. In turn, alcohol and tobacco are typically easier to obtain at an earlier age than is cannabis, though the reverse may be true in some areas, thus leading to the gateway sequence in those individuals, since they are most likely to ex experiment with any drug offered. A related alternative to the gateway hypothesis is com the common liability to addiction, CLA theory. It states that some individuals are, for various reasons, willing to try multiple recreational substances. The gateway drugs are merely those that are usually available at an earlier age than the harder drugs. Our researchers have noticed that in an extensive review, that it is dangerous to present the sequence of events described in the gateway theory in causative terms, as this hinders both the research and the intervention. In 2020, the National Institute on Drug Abuse released a study backing allegations that marijuana is a gateway to harder drugs, though not for the majority of mar marijuana users. The National Institute on Drug Abuse determined that marijuana use was likely to precede the use of other licit and illicit substances, and that adults who reported marijuana use during the first wave of the survey were likely, more likely than, than adults who did not use marijuana to develop an alcohol use disorder within three years. People who use marijuana and already had an alcohol use disorder were at the outset were at a greater risk of their alcohol use disorder worsening. Marijuana use is also linked to the other substance use disorders, including nicotine addiction. It also reported that these findings are consistent with the idea of marijuana as a gateway drug. However, the majority of people who use marijuana do not go on to use other harder substances. 
Also, cross-sensitization is not unique to marijuana. Alcohol and nicotine also prime the brain for heightened response to other drugs and are like marijuana, also typically used before a person progresses to another more harmful substances. Cannabis research is challenging since the plant is illegal in most countries. Research grade samples of the drug are difficult to obtain for research purposes unless granted under authority of national regulatory agencies such as the US FDA. There is also other difficulties in researching the effects of cannabis. Many people who smoke cannabis also smoke tobacco. This causes confounding factors where questions arise as to whether the tobacco, the cannabis, or both have caused a cancer. Another difficulty researchers have is recruiting people who smoke cannabis into studies. Because cannabis is an illegal drug in most countries, people may be reluctant to take part in the research. And if they do take part, they may not say how much cannabis they actually do smoke. A 2015 review found that the use of high CBD to THC strains of cannabis showed significantly fewer positive symptoms, such as delusions and hallucinations, better cognitive function, and both lower risk for developing psychosis, as well as a later age of onset of the illness compared with cannabis with low CBD to THC ratios. Reviews in 2019 found that research was insufficient to determine the safety and efficacy of using cannabis to treat schizophrenia, psychosis, or other mental disorders. There is preliminary evidence that cannabis interferes with the anticoagulant properties of prescription drugs used for treating blood clots. As of 2019, the mechanisms for the anti-inflammatory and possible pain-relieving effects of cannabis were not defined, and there were no government regulatory approvals or clinical practices for use of cannabis as a drug. Medical cannabis, or medical marijuana, MMJ, is cannabis and cannabinoids that are prescribed by physicians for their patients. The use of cannabis as a medicine has not been rigorously tested due to production and government restrictions, resulting in limited clinical research to define the safety and efficacy of using cannabis to treat diseases. Preliminary evidence suggests that cannabis can reduce nausea and vomiting during chemotherapy, improve appetite in people with HIV or AIDS, and reduce chronic pain and muscle spasms. Short-term use increases the risk of minor and major adverse effects. Common side effects include dizziness, feeling tired, vomiting and hallucinations. Long-term effects of cannabis are not clear. Concerns, however, include memory and cognition problems, risk of addiction, schizophrenia in young people, and the risk of children taking it by accident. 
The cannabis plant has a history of medicinal use dating back thousands of years in many cultures. Some American medical organizations have requested the removal of cannabis from the list of the Schedule I controlled substances maintained by the United States federal government, followed by the regulatory and scientific review. Others oppose its legalization, such as the American Academy of Pediatrics. Medical cannabis can be administered through various methods, including capsules, lozenges, tinctures, dermal patches, oral or dermal sprays, cannabis edibles and vaporizing, or smoking dry butts. Synthetic cannabinoids are available for prescription use in some countries, such as dronabinol and nabalone. Countries that allow the medical use of the whole plant of cannabis include Australia, Canada, Chile, Colombia, Germany, Greece, Israel, Italy, the Netherlands, Peru, Poland, Portugal, and Uruguay. In the United States, 36 states and the District of Columbia have legalized cannabis for the medical purposes, beginning with the passage of California's Proposition 215 in 1996, although cannabis remains prohibited for any use at the federal level. The Rockabara Far Amendment was enacted in December 2014, limiting the ability of the federal law to be enforced with states where medical cannabis has been legalised. The National Institute on Drug Abuse defines medical cannabis as using the whole unprocessed marijuana plant or its basic extracts to treat symptoms of illness and other conditions. A cannabis plant includes more than 400 different chemicals, of which about 70 are cannabinoids. In comparison, typical government-approved medications contain only one or two chemicals. The number of active cannabis and chemicals in cannabis is one reason why treatment with cannabis is difficult to classify and study. A review in 2014 stated that the variations in ratio of CBD to THC in botanical and pharmaceutical preparations determines the therapeutic versus the psychoactive effects. Overall research into the health effects of medical cannabis has been of low quality and it is not clear whether it is a useful treatment for any condition or whether the harms outweigh any benefit. There is no consistent evidence that it helps with chronic pain and muscle spasms. Low quality evidence suggests its use for reducing nausea during chemotherapy and improving appetite in HIV and AIDS, improving sleep and improving tics in Tourette syndrome. When usual treatments are ineffective, cannabinoids have also been recommended for anorexia, arthritis, glaucoma, and migraines. It is unclear whether the American states might be able to mitigate the adverse effects of the opioid epidemic by prescribing medical cannabis as an alternative pain management drug. However, it is recommended that cannabis use to be stopped during pregnancy. Nausea and vomiting. Medical cannabis 
is somewhat effective in chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting, CINV, and may be a reasonable option in those who do not improve following preferential treatment. Comparative studies have found cannabinoids can be more effective than some conventional antibiotics such as procromazine, promazine and metoclopramide in controlling the CINV. But these are used less frequently because of the side effects including dizziness, dysphoria and hallucinations. Long-term cannabis use may cause nausea and vomiting, a condition known as cannabinoid hypermesis syndrome, CHS. A 2016 Cochrane review said that cannabinoids were probably effective in treating chemotherapy-induced nausea in children, but with a high side effect profile, maybe dry nausea, dizziness, altered moods and increased appetite. Less common side effects were ocular problems orthostatus hypotensional, muscle twitching, pruritus, vagus, hallucinations, lightheadedness, and dry mouth. HIV and AIDS. Evidence is lacking for both efficiency and safety of cannabis and cannabinoids in treating patients with HIV or AIDS, or for anorexia associated with AIDS. As of 2013, current studies suffer from the effect bias, small sample size, and lack of long-term data. Pain. Research into the use of cannabis for treating chronic pain has yielded inconsistent results. For neuropathic pain, spasms associated with multiple sclerosis, and pain from rheumatoid disorders. Cannabis is not effective at treating chronic cancer pain. When cannabis is inhaled to relieve pain, blood levels of cannabinoids rise faster than when oral products are used, peaking within three minutes and attaining an analgesic effect in seven minutes. A 2011 review considered cannabis to be generally safe and it appears safer than opioids in palliative care. Neurological conditions. Cannabis efficiency is not clear in treating neurological problems such as multiple sclerosis, MS, and movement problems. Evidence also suggests that oral cannabis extract is effective for reducing patient-centered measures of specificity. A trial of cannabis is deemed to be a reasonable option if other treatments have not been effective. Its use for MS is approved in 10 countries. A 2012 review found no problems with the tolerance, abuse or addiction. In the United States, cannabidinol, one of the cannabinoids found in the marijuana plant, has been approved for treating two severe forms of epilepsy. The lennox gastric syndrome and Dravat syndrome. There is no good evidence that medical cannabis is effective for treating most post-traumatic stress disorder, and its use for this purpose is not recommended because of the hallucinations. There is insufficient data to draw strong conclusions about the safety of medical cannabis. 
Typically, adverse effects of medical cannabis use are not serious. They include tiredness, dizziness, increased appetite, and cardiovascular and psychoactive effects. Other effects can include impaired short-term memory, impaired motor cognition, altered judgment, and paranoia, or psychosis at high doses. Tolerance to these effects develops over a period of days or weeks. The amount of cannabis normally used for medicinal purposes is not believed to cause any permanent cognitive impairment in adults. Though long-term treatment in adolescents should be weighed carefully, as they are more susceptible to these impairments. Withdrawal symptoms are rarely a problem with a controlled medical administration of cannabinoids. The ability to drive vehicles or operate machinery may be impaired until a tolerance is developed, although supporters of medicinal cannabis say it's safe. Further research is required to assess the long-term safety of its use. Recreational use. Tetrahydrocannabinol, THC, the principal psychoactive constituent of the cannabis plant, has a low toxicity, while the LD50 dose of the THC needed to kill 50% of tested rodents is high. Acute effects may include anxiety and panic, impaired attention and memory while intoxicated, and increased risks of psychoactive symptoms and possibly increased risks of accidents if a person drives a motor vehicle while intoxicated. Psychotic episodes are well documented and typically resolved within minutes or hours, and there have been few reports of symptoms lasting longer. According to the United States Department of Health and Human Services, there were 455,000 visits to the emergency room associated with cannabis use in 2011. These statistics include visits which the patient was treated for the condition induced by or related to their recent use of cannabis. In 129,000 cases, cannabis was the only implicated drug. Effects of chronic use may include bronchitis and a cannabis dependence syndrome and subtle impairments of attention and memory. These deficits persist while chronically intoxicated. Compared to non-smokers, people who smoke cannabis regularly in adolescence exhibit reduced connectivity in specific brain regions associated with memory, learning alertness, and executive function. One study suggested that with sustained heavy daily adolescent onset cannabis use over decades, is associated with the decline of IQ by the age of 38, with no effects found in those who initiated cannabis use later in life, or those who ceased use in early adulthood. A follow-up review found that IQ deficits may be a precursor rather than a result of cannabis use, and that social environmental factors are a likely influence. There has been a limited number of studies that have looked at the effects of smoking cannabis on the respiratory system. Chronic heavy marijuana smoking is associated with coughing, producers of sputum, wheezing, coughing, and other symptoms of chronic bronchitis. Regular cannabis use has been shown to cause significant abnormalities in lung function.
Cannabis smoke contains thousands of organic and inorganic chemical compounds. This tar is chemically similar to those found in tobacco smoke and over 50 known carcinogens that have been identified in cannabis smoke, including nitrosamines, reactive aldehydes, and polycylic hydrocarbons, including benzoprene. Light and moderate use of cannabis is not believed to increase the risk of lung or upper airway cancer. Evidence for causing these cancers is mixed concerning heavy long-term use. In general, there are far lower risks of pulmonary complications for regular cannabis smokers when compared to those with tobacco. Combustion products are not present when using a vaporizer, consuming THC in pill form, or consuming cannabis edibles. There is serious suspicion among cardiologists sparing research but falling short of definitive proof that cannabis use has the potential to contribute to cardiovascular disease. Cannabis is believed to be an aggregating factor in rare cases of arthritis, a serious condition in some that leads to the amputation. Because of 97% of case reports also smoke tobacco, a formal association with cannabis could not be made. If autism turns out to be a distinct clinical entity, it might be the consequence of vasoconstrictor activity observed from the Delta-8 THC and the Delta-9 THC. Other serious cardiovascular events, including myocardial infarction, stroke, sudden cardiac death, and cardiomyopathy, have been reported to be temporarily associated with cannabis use. Research into these events is complicated because cannabis is often used in conjunction with tobacco and drugs such as alcohol and cocaine. These putative effects can be taken in context of a wide range of cardiovascular phenomena regulated by the endocannabinoid system and an overall role of cannabis in causing a decreased peripheral resistance and increased cardiac output, which potentially could pose a threat to those with cardiovascular disease. Cannabis usually causes no tolerance or withdrawal symptoms, except in heavy users. In a survey of heavy users, 42.4% experienced withdrawal symptoms when they tried to quit marijuana, such as craving, irritability, boredom, anxiety, and sleep disturbances. About 9% of those who experimented with marijuana eventually became dependent. The rate goes up to one in six among those who began during adolescence, and one quarter to one half of those who use it as a daily according to the NIDA review. A 2013 review estimates daily uses associated with a 10 to 20% rates of dependence. The highest risk of cannabis dependence is found in those with a history of poor academic achievement, deviant behavior in childhood, and adolescent rebelliousness, poor parental relationships, or a parental history of drug and alcohol problems. A literature review published in 2013 found that exposure to marijuana had a biologically based physical, mental, behavioral, and social health consequences, and was associated with diseases of the liver, particularly with those with coexisting hepatitis C, lungs, heart, and vascular. 
this research suggests that healthcare providers should be cognizant and that the existing literature suggests that marijuana use can cause physical harm. However, evidence is needed and further research should be considered to prove causal associations of marijuana with many physical health conditions. A 2011 systematic review evaluated published studies of the acute and long-term cognitive effects of cannabis. THC intoxication is a well-established to impair cognitive functions on an acute basis, including effects on the ability to plan, organize, solve problems, make decisions and control impulses. The extent of this impact may be greater in novice users and paradoxically, in those habituated to high-level ingestion, may have reduced cognition during withdrawal. Studies of long-term effects on cognition have provided conflicting results, with some studies finding no difference between long-term abstainers and never-users, and others finding long-term deficits. These discrepancies between studies may reflect greater long-term effects among heavier users relative to the occasional users, and greater duration of the effect among those with heavy uses in adolescence compared to later in life. A second systematic review focused on neuroimaging studies found little evidence supporting an effect of cannabis use on brain structure and function. In 2003, meta-analysis concluded that any long-term cognitive effects were relatively modest in magnitude and limited to certain aspects of learning and memory. Exposure to THC can cause acute transient psychotic symptoms in healthy individuals and people with schizophrenia. A 2007 meta-analysis concluded that cannabis use reduced the average age onset of psychosis by 2.7 years relative to non-cannabis use. A 2005 meta-analysis concluded that adolescent use of cannabis increased the risk of psychosis and that risk is a dose-related issue. A 2004 literature review on the subject concluded that cannabis use is associated with a two-fold increase risk of psychosis, but that cannabis use is neither necessary nor sufficient to cause psychosis. And a French review from 2009 came to the conclusion that cannabis use, particularly before the age of 15, was a factor in the development of schizophrenic disorders. A 2008 National Institutes of Health study of 19 chronic heavy marijuana users with car cardiac and cerebral anomalies averaging about 28 grams to 272 grams weekly and 24 controls found elevated levels of apropocillin-3 or APOC-3 in the chronic smokers. An increase of APOC-3 levels induces the development of hypertrilocemia. <laughs> Pharmacology. The genus cannabis contains two species which produce a useful amount of psychoactive cannabinoids, cannabis indica and cannabis sativa, which are listed as Schedule I medicinal plants in the US. 
A third species, Cannabis rudolaris, has few psychogenic properties. Cannabis contains more than 460 compounds. At least 80 of these are cannabinoids that interact with the cannabinoid receptors in the brain. The most psychoactive cannabinoid found in the cannabis plant is THC. Other cannabinoids include Delta-8 THC, CBD, CBN, CBL, and CBC, and CBG. They have less psychotrophic effects than THC, but many play a role in the overall effect of cannabis. The most studied are the THC, CBD, and CBN. CB1 and CB2 are the primary cannabinoid receptors responsible for the several of the effects on the cannabinoids, through their, although other receptors may play a role as well. Both belong to a group of receptors called the G-protein-coupled receptors, CPCRs. CB1 receptors are found very high levels of the brain and are thought to be responsible for the psychoactive effects. CB2 receptors are found peripherally throughout the body and are thought to modulate pain and inflammation. Cannabinoid absorption is dependent on its route of administration. Inhaled and vaporized THC have similar absorption profiles to smoked THC, with bioavailability ranging from 10 to 35%. Oral administration has the lowest bioavailability of approximately 6%. Variable absorption depending on the vehicle used and the longest time to peak plasma levels, two to six hours, compared to smoked or vaporized. Similar to the THC, CBD has poor oral bioavailability, approximately 6%. The low bioavailability is largely attributed to the significant first pass metabolism in the liver and erratic absorption from the gastrointestinal tract. However, oral administration of CBD has a faster time to peak in concentrations of two hours than THC. Due to the poor bioavailability of oral preparations, alternative routes of administration have been studied, including sublingual and rectal. These alternative formulations maximize bioavailability and reduce the first pass metabolism. Sublingual administration in rabbits yielded bioavailability of 16% and time to peak concentration of 4 hours. Rectal administration in monkeys doubled bioavailability to 13.5% and achieved peak blood concentrations within 1 to 8 hours after administration. Like cannabinoid absorption, distribution is also dependent on the route of administration. Smoking and inhalation of vaporized, ca vaporized cannabis can be better absorbed than other routes of administration and therefore also have more predictable distribution. THC is highly protein bound once absorbed with only 3% of unbound in the plasma. It distributes rapidly to highly vascularized organs such as the heart, lungs, liver, spleen and kidneys as well to various glands. Low levels can be detected in the brain, testis and unborn fetuses, all of which are protected from the systematic circulation via barriers. THC further distributes into fatty tissues a few days after administration due to its high lipophilicity and is found deposited in the spleen and fat after redistribution. 
Delta 9 THC is a primary molecule responsible for the effects of cannabis. Delta 9 THC is metabolized in the liver and turns into 11 OH THC. 11 OH THC is the first metabolic product in its pathway. Both Delta 9 THC and the 11 OH THC are psychoactive. The, metabol the metabolism of the THC into 11-O-THC plays a part in the heightened psychoactive effects of edible cannabis. Next, the 11-O-H-THC is metabolized in the liver into 11-C-O-O-H-T-H-C, which is the second metabolic product of the THC. 11-C-O-O-H-T-H-C is not psychoactive. Ingestion of edible cannabis produced products leads to a slower onset of the effect than the inhalation of it because the THC travels to the liver first through the blood before it travels to the rest of the body. Inhaled cannabis can result in the THC going directly to the brain where it then travels from the brain back to the liver in recirculation for metabolism. Eventually both routes of the metabolism result in the metabolism of the psychoactive THC to inactive 11-COOH-THC. Due to the substantial metabolism of THC and CBD, their metabolites are excreted mostly via feces, rather by urine. After delta-9-THC is hydroxylated into the 11-OH-THC via CYP2C9, CYP2C19, and CYP3A4, it undergoes phase two metabolism into more than 30 metabolites, a majority of which are products of glucogenation. Approximately 65% of THC is excreted in feces and 25% in the urine, while the remaining 10% is excreted by other means. The terminal half-life of THC is 25 to 36 hours, where as for CBD, it is 18 to 32. CBD is hydroxylated by the P450 liver enzymes into 7-OH-CBD. Its metabolites are products of primarily CYP2C19 and CYP3A4 activity, with potential activity of the CYP1A2, CYP2C9 and cyp 2D6. Similar to the Delta 9 THC, a majority of the CBD is excreted in feces and some in the urine, and the terminal half life, as I said, is 18 to 32 hours. The US Food and Drug Administration has not approved smoking cannabis for any condition or disease as it deems that evidence is lacking concerning safety and efficiency. The FDA issued a 2006 advisory against smoked medical cannabis stating, marijuana has a high potential for abuse, abuse has no currently acceptable medicinal use and treatment in the United States, and has a lack of accepted safety for those under medical supervision. My sources this week were 
Sublingual administration of Delta 9 THC complex increases bioavailability of the Delta 9 THC in rabbits. Journal of Life Science by J. Manila, March 2006. Human cannabinoid pharmacokinetics in chemistry and biodiversity. Huestitz MA, August 2007. A review of oral cannabinoids and media medical marijuana for the treatment of chemotherapy induced nausea and vomiting, a focus on pharmacokinetic variability and pharmacodynamics. The Cancer and Chemotherapy and Pharmacology Journal by M.E. Badowski, September 2017. The Pharmacokinetics of THC in Fat and Brain Resulting Function Responses to Marijuana Smoking in the Human and Psychopharmacology Journal. G.G. Nahas, April 2001. Medicinal Cannabis, History, Pharmacology and Implications for Acute Care Setting by Bridgman and Abiza in March 2017. Marijuana and Medicine in Springer Science and Business Media by Nahas, Sutin and Harvey in April 1999. Understanding the motivations for recreational marijuana use among adult Canadians in the Substance and Misuse Journal by Osborne and Fogel 2008. Marijuana Fact Sheets Appetite which is from adai.uw.edu in March 2016. Manual of Forensic Emergency Medicine, a guideline for clinicians. And that was by Riviello in 2010. Therapeutic Potential of Cannabinoids and Psychosis in the Biological Psychiatry by Lueke Muller and Lange in April 2016. Epidemiological data indicate a strong relationship between cannabis use and psychosis and schizophrenia beyond transient intoxication with an increased risk of any psychotic outcome in individuals who had ever used cannabis. That was in, oh my goodness, I can't even find it. That was in the Biopsychology Journal in 2015. Beg my pardon of that one. I will attach the full details and that's in a PDF form as well. Cannabis Consumption on Psychosis or Schizophrenia Development in the International Journal of Psychiatry by Ortsman Dina, Pereira, Torales, Vendrigo, Vitrini, Aguila, Ronciero in November 2018. And Cannabis and Psychosis, a Critical Overview of the Relationship in Current Psychiatry Reports by Xer and Hart in February 2016. All of those links will be in the show notes below. I know there is a lot of um, background reading in that one and some of that actually linked to the first one as well. I will say, as I said at the start, please do all your own research and obviously go by I'm not giving any advice of what you should do. Just please review it yourself, review it with your medical practitioner and also just review it with what is legal in your state and your country as well. I'd hate for anybody to get into trouble. Thank you for listening to another episode of Macabre for Mortals. I hope this has been a slightly different series and I do, as I said, hope to cover more of these including drugs such as alcohol and caffeine too in the future as well as looking at ones like LCD and cocaine.
my next topics I'm looking to cover is obsessive compulsive disorder for the next three weeks. So if you have anything that you would like to add from like a personal point of view or any other cases, any other psychological disorders, any drug that you'd like me to do a deep delve into, then please give me an email at macabreformortals at gmail.com. That is M-A-C-A-B-R-E-F-O-R-M-O-R-T-A-L-S at gmail.com. Or DM me on Instagram at macabreformortals. With everything that's going on with the pandemic in the world, I know sometimes hearing a lot of that delta in this one has been a bit triggering. But I really hope wherever you are in this world, please stay as safe as you can. Bye for now.